0: You are tuned into The Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of The Dr. Tina Show, I'm bringing back my favorite functional pharmacist, Dr. John Kim. Dr. John will be breaking down the four phases of COVID that everyone should know about. This episode is necessary listening for anyone wanting to know more about how COVID works on the body from beginning to end. He is here to empower us so that we don't have to live in fear. So, hey, Dr. Kim, you are back. Dr. John Kim, the functional pharmacist, he is back. We are doing an episode today about the four phases of COVID as promised. Welcome back, Dr. Kim.
1: Dr. Tina, thank you so much. It's always a great opportunity to speak in front of you and as well as your audience. So thank you so much.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, people are loving the podcast with you, so we got to oh, give them. <laughs> yeah, they are. I get we get a lot of great e- fan emails. So, and I know you're getting emails too. Anyone yeah. asking who listened to episode two about uh, ivermectin? If you are not a person living in New Jersey or is it New York too? You New York as well. Yeah, he, Dr. John Kim cannot help you with the ivermectin. So. <laughs> Please, please stop asking, and I can't tell you how to where to get it either. Uh, we have provided resources on that episode, but anyway, we're going to jump in. We're going to make this short and sweet so that people understand the four phases of COVID because they are distinct, and people need to know about this because as as folks are moving from one phase to the other, some are a little bit more of a danger spot. Some are not. And what can we expect from each phase? So I will let you take it from here.
1: Yeah. I mean, we want to make this simple as possible for all the listeners out there. So I make it the four points. You know, first thing we want to do is first phase is to prevent, prevent to you improving your immune uh, surveillance uh, efficiency and efficacy and reducing the baseline inflammation. Second phase is actually the infection. So emphasizing the immune activity against infection. Third is to control the overall inflammation. So overall anti-inflammatory response is very important. This is where make it or break it part okay. actually occurs if you are infected with COVID-19. So some patients may end up having to do better for a couple of days and all of a sudden day 10 hits, they go down south very, very quickly is because of the ongoing inflammation in the body. So we want to control that as best as we can Obviously, you want to do that from the beginning, but if you are late, still you want to keep that inflammation as controlled as possible. And a fourth phase of COVID-19, the last one will be to recovering, resolving the inflammation, inhibiting the uh, potential fibrosis that could occur and other tissue damages, as well as to decrease the loss of function and restoring the re-optimization of your full function that you have in the body. So those are things that we want to focus on. Uh, but you know, one we one thing that we could really focus on is how do we prevent COVID, and as well as just supporting your body overall. Because in terms of how a person will be uh, having a different outcome of COVID it will vary from person to person. Just because you look healthy does not mean that you're going to be you're not going to be in the hospital. Nor can you say that if you are heavily you know, obese person having metabolic challenges does not also mean that you're going to end up in a hospital as well. So there's a bit of a mystery going on, but at least we want to inform you because some of the things you could control is based on your overall choice of how do you lead your lifestyle, how much you're sleeping, how well you're able to, you know, keep your uh, daily activities uh, going, to keep yourself healthy, as well as taking the right supplements and overall reducing your stress level.
0: Yes. So let's preface this by saying, This virus, whilst novel and new, is part of a is in the subfamily of coronaviruses, which four of which are you know circulate and uh, come in waves, as the common cold. So we understand how this virus works, not just from the past eighteen months, but from being in practice and being a human being and being alive. And the one thing that I have found so incredibly challenging with this whole thing was how we have completely disregarded anything that happened prior to February 2020. Suddenly, everything was out the door. Uh, all of our experience, all of our everybody's had personal experience with the flu. Everyone's had personal experiences with colds. Maybe not some of the more gnarly viruses I have, but it's Pretty common knowledge that if you, how you enter into an infectious process very much dictates how you will endure it and how you will exit it. And so this concept of inflammation is a huge one, but nothing new to you and I. And This post-healing, this post-viral syndrome, which we don't have to get into too much, we could do a whole episode on that, on the long hauler syndrome, but that is nothing new. None of this is nothing is anything new. We're just seeing it in a more pronounced fashion because we have a virus that whether it came out of a lab or whether it came from a bat is irrelevant. It's here now and it's endemic and we need to deal with it. And so Hopefully, we can break this down with a little bit more detail of each phase because people hear inflammation, they don't know what that means. But let's talk about phase one. So walking into the infection prior to actually coming in contact with the virus, what's important?
1: The important thing is to identify uh, the overall risk factor you actually have in yourself. So especially if you are 65 or older, your older population... uh, obvious reasons you may have a long-term health issue, such as high blood pressure, diabetes, you may have a weaker immune system, higher inflammation that's going on right now. So that could be one aspect that you have to look at. Also heart disease, lung disease, diabetes, some of the things we already know. So I'm not going to really dive into that, but identifying what is the overall risk factor you actually have? And right now, how much can you control that? Or even in terms of the risk factor you may have, how much can you decrease it? Yes, And that's the most important part that we have to look at. We do not have to live in fear. And that's the biggest issue that people are having right now. Even patients coming to our pharmacy and, and they're just completely in fear still that, you know what, I'm going to catch the virus. I'm going to die. Uh, you never died from catching the flu to begin with, or at least there are certain risk factors, but you have to die from everything. So how can we empower you as a person to decrease that aspect of it. And that all depends on how well you're going to take care of yourself.
0: Absolutely. People think that getting the virus is an automatic death sentence. And it's not. I will say of all the people that I know who've gotten it, the, the bulk of my community, my, my friends, my circle, are healthy, fit people. And the ones who've gotten it, 99.9% of them, it was nothing. It was literally nothing. It just blew through them. I will say that there were a few who had a harder time. Those were older folks, and they did have some abdominal obesity. We can talk about that in one second. Visceral fat is a huge risk factor uh, for poor outcomes with this virus. And they were older women. But of the young, healthy, fit folks that I know who've had a hard time, they actually contracted it from someone who was sick who was fully vaccinated. So... Who knows how that changes things, because as a virus goes through anyone's body, it changes and morphs, right? So however that body handles it will dictate what comes out of it. So you can actually, you, not you, John, <laughs> but something I've been trying to say from the beginning without you know, vilifying anyone is, each body that the virus encounters changes the, the virus a little bit. And we have from studies that viruses that go through mice and humans uh, in an obese body co- outcomes a more virulent strain that is that causes higher morbidity or illness in their lean counterparts. And so what we're saying, si- again, not blaming anyone, just saying the... Things that we're trying to talk about on this podcast and the things that Dr. John and I keep doubling down on, you're probably hearing a theme if you're a, a regular listener, is that it's not only about you, it's about all of us, right? This is really the conversation about the greater good, is the the better, the more metabolically sound we each are, the the healthier we each are, the sooner we get through this and the better community member we can be, right? So. Um, so visceral fat and frailty are the things that I keep finding in the literature it are huge risk factors for folks. Definitely. I mean, you're looking at like just talking about meta-inflammation, right? In
1: terms of having the person to be in a complete catabolic state, you look at them, it's a systemic inflammation that which leads into actually causing sarcopenia to occur. So you have a, you know, a decrease in dynamic muscle function and perfusion that's going on. You know, you may actually end up having to have resistance, uh, insulin resistance, osteoporosis, mitochondrial dysfunction, and everything else. We face this issue many, many times with other chronic infections to begin with, especially Lyme disease, Epstein-Barr, many others, right? So this is nothing new within the functional medicine world. It's just that now it's actually really open up the wider view of audience out there, Now seeing that, hey, you know what, I could get hurt from viral infections, that it's not just a a simple thing. But one of the things that what media does not tell you, and even the particular three-letter government agencies, which we don't really like to talk about, they don't really tell you that, right? They don't tell you about the overall immune system, how to empower it, how can you decrease the overall uh, reduction. It's all about the mask. It's all about the particular shot you have to get or something else. And this is where the overall fear comes in. If you're constantly in fear, you're not going to be helping yourself at all. You're going to be constantly in stress and you're going to really damage your immune system from stress alone. So let's change that. Let's change that mindset and really teach ourselves how do we empower ourselves is based on your lifestyle, your lifestyle of decreasing inflammation, exercising, sleeping well, pooping well, working on your overall microbiome, your mitochondrial function, and everything. You have the power to do this. You don't have to live in fear.
0: Absolutely. And for the audience listening, the date today is what, September? What are we on the 5th? Tomorrow, September 6th, I start my Don't Be Zombie Bait challenge, 10-day challenge. If you guys are listening, you can join in. It will start you at the beginning, and you, you it's it's recorded, so you, anybody can join at any time. So if you're listening, if a year from now people are listening to this episode, please go ahead and check out the link in the show notes and get in there, because the 10-day course of this challenge is to get you through this kind of stuff. That's what we're going to be talking about, is just baseline lifestyle changes that anybody can implement to make themselves more robust and less likely to be in metabolic, in a, in a poor metabolic state. So it's not, a, you know, miracles don't happen in 10 days, but we definitely can start to move the bar for people. So um, that's all I'll say on that. So yeah. All right. So they've done, they've do, we've done everything we can. We're doing our preventative measures. We get the virus. We're in phase two. What does that look, what are we talking about there?
1: So, phase two, you have to look at in terms of, you know, what's the timely response in COVID-19 treatment? It's about timing, right? Depending on how timely your type one interferon response actually occurs, is how well you're able to control the overall viral titer that's actually going on, right? That that's all about timing. And that really depends on how resilient your immune system is, is one. Second thing is what agents can you use to decrease the overall Uh, Inflammation activity that's going on Or suppressing the viral titer Or in certain cases To help to decrease inflammation So everything that we talked about Including the episode 2 with ivermectin It's about the timing aspect of it It's not about oh let's see what happens And then we'll treat you afterwards That's one thing that Will determine whether you're going to have a milder Clinical course or you're going to have a more Extensive disease And that's something that needs to be addressed With people so uh it's good good at
0: that oh, I just was gonna say I, that oh. <laughs> that has been. Uh, it's been infuriating to me to watch because there's so much we can do. I will say this. The Department of Justice in Oregon, and I've said this before on the podcast, the Department of Justice in Oregon, within the very first few weeks of this pandemic, put a gag order on all of us and set sa- in, in the state of Oregon and said, if you are discussing prevention, treatment or cure of COVID-19, since there is no, you know, formal prevention, treatment or cure known, then you're liable. And friends of mine, colleagues started getting investigated for just YouTube videos about vitamin C, you know, really basic stuff. And it's been infuriating to me because you know as well as I do that there's so much we can do with nutraceuticals that are proven with good data, with good publications, with decades of evidence behind them that decrease viral titers, that improve this inflammatory response from going berserk, that yes. help the virus not actually... that. I should say, stop the virus from getting into the cell, not just pharmaceutical, which are being censored. Those drugs are being censored, as we've talked about in the past, but... The nutraceuticals, just good lifestyle living, certain foods are protease inhibitors. I mean, we're just, and I just did an episode on protease inhibitors and mechanism of action of that. So this part has been probably the most infuriating for me because the first thing I saw coming out at the beginning of this pandemic were influencers on Instagram, doctor influencers saying, food can't help you now. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, (laughs) are you kidding me? How you eat through this dictates everything. Like that and there is no food to cure a viral infection. There's no food to prevent a viral infection. It's how you manage the viral infection that the food matters. And I say this because my mentor Dr. Rick Marinelli, he passed away in 2013, brilliant physician and I spent almost 20 years with him listening to him talk to patients in his office, helping him, assisting him long before I was in medicine, I was hanging out with Dr. Rick Marinelli in his office. And he as basically as his medical assistant, and every time a patient would say, how long is this going to last after they would get a therapy done? Or, you know, how effective is this going to be after he was doing IVs in the 80s, John, like, wow, n- nutrient IVs and Crazy. chelation. Yeah, like he's he, was, he huh. all this biohacking stuff, Rick was doing yeah. in the 80s and early 90s. So in prolotherapy and all of that, like he he was just a genius. And anyway, the the thing he would say when they walked out of the office, when they would say, how long is can I expect this to last? Or when should I come back? And he said, that all depends on how you eat. He always said That's that. True. And I was like, this is everything. <laughs> so yeah. how you eat, like I said earlier, how you enter into an infection completely dictates how you endure and exit the infection. So right. I will leave it at that. Tell us what happens around day 10.
1: So... Well, let, let's go through the overall aspect in terms of what may have to occur with these patients when they first end up having to uh, catch COVID and what may end up having to occur. One of the things is that they may end up having to start losing their sense of smell. Now, this is the one key thing that I noticed that patients, when they contract COVID early on, they start noticing that, hey, you know what? Food tastes differently or I may not be able to smell that well. Or one of the things that they end up having to see is a lot of times the sinus pressure or having sore throat. So those are the key symptoms you may actually have, and that's one of the key things that you need to recognize and potentially quarantine yourself so that you don't spread to others. And that's more likely they're gonna start producing much more viral load and as well as to spread. And spreading, just like Dr. Tina, as you mentioned, if you're highly obese, you're diabetic, you're much more symptomatic in that sense of that, and you're gonna be spreading a lot more viral load to others, and so you yourself, being a good human being, needs to quarantine and you know take care of yourself right away. So that's basically phase two that, you know what? It's not even just that. You're going to see some respiratory issues, GI symptoms, um, what else, a body ache, just like any other flu-like symptoms. And it's a type 1 interferon virus, excuse me. And so the main focus you have to really look at is the component of the immune system function and what the essential things that we need to do to keep the body from... Not breaking down, but able to have the ability to fight. So, one of the things you need to do is you're, you need to empower your natural killer cells, uh, as well as the uh, TH one cell support. So, use of berberine, you know, um, echinacea. You could use some angelographis to support the natural killer cells. Ganoderma is a good thing. So, reishi mushroom. I love using medicinal mushrooms to begin with, and as well as uh, astragalus. Right? There's a study just recently came out when astragalus has been one of the Uh, key support for supporting natural killer cells and potentially helping with the overall viral infection that people are going through right now. So there are things you could do. There are natural remedies they could potentially use. I'm not saying that's going to cure everybody, right? And we should put a disclaimer on this particular podcast episode that we're not promising to cure everybody, but it's just that what you know and how much you know is going to really help you to make it from point A to point B and having the best outcome possible rather than having the worst com- outcome.
0: Yes, and none of this is none of this is prevention treatment or cure of COVID. This is talking about specific parts of your immune system and how can we support them? Not boost them, not, uh, you know, none of that. We're just, we know as functional medicine practitioners, we intimately understand the mechanism of action of many of these nutraceuticals and herbs and how they support different aspects of the immune system. And we understand at this point how this virus is impacting the immune system. So you can basically tinker with your immune system along the way. To ke- And, and uh, from, from my experience during acute infection, Often, I mean, that's why it's best, obviously, for everybody to consult someone who knows how to work with these substances before you get sick so that you have someone to guide you through it. Because what you take on day one may be very different than you take on day 10. It, it shifts and morphs depending on what part of the immune system we're trying to impact. So full disclaimer, this is for educational purposes only. Always check with your doctor and, your, or, and or your practitioner. Make sure you're working with somebody who understands these nutrients. This episode of The Dr. Tina Show is brought to you by my personal line of products that you can find inside my online store. We can all use a bit more resilience right now, so I bottled it. Resilience is an optimal adrenal support to promote energy and stamina. Resilience features a comprehensive blend of nutrients and botanical extracts targeted to support the body's responses to stress. It's designed to promote adrenal physiological functions by supporting the adaptogenic response to promote optimal energy production, stamina, and the management of everyday stressors. Adrenal glandular tissue sourced from Argentinian bovine to safeguard purity rounds out the ingredient profile. While I can't make any specific health claims, tell you how to dose it, or make individual health recommendations, I can tell you how they work. As always, check with your provider before beginning any supplement regimen. Listeners of the Dr. Tina Show can enjoy 10% off resilience by using the code RESILIENCE10 over inside my store at store.drtina.com. That's D-R-T-Y-N-A. Again, head to store.drtina.com and use code RESILIENCE10 for 10% off. So talk about day 10 for me. So around day 10 to 14, that's when people start to bottom out. What's happening in their immune system there?
1: They are going through a cytokine storm. So there's a, uh, that's when you end up having to see a lot of the aspect that you're going to have a low perfusion going on. So um, your oxygen saturation is going to go down. And if you're hitting below 90, that's when you really have to think about heading to the hospital. Uh, you need some fluids as well as to act, you know, utilizing different uh, type of agents and obvious reasons that you do have some window to potentially use other things, such as potential ivermectin, uh, or in many cases, if you end up um, to end up in a hospital utilizing monoclonal antibody to help you with the outcome as well. Use of st- corticosteroids could be very helpful as well. So anything that you could use, throw everything at, at a, like a kitchen sink and it help to decrease the inflammation as quick as you can. So this way your overall cytokine burden is less because you have higher cytokine storm that's going in the body, that's when you see your organs failing. So you see patients um, having trouble breathing or their kidneys failing and etc. You could even go into septic shock. And in some patients they end up having to have uh, other infections like uh, viral pneumonia or you could actually have a bacterial pneumonia on top of that, which can potentially increase the likelihood that you're gonna have a worsening outcome to begin with. So things you to do, you want to prevent from getting you into this phase. So you have to look at, okay, so what can we do? Well, one of the things that we really want to do is increase your antioxidant support, right? Especially the alveolar inflammation or excessive uh, uh, thrombotic thrombotic event or mucus viscosity or sepsis. Those are all coming from potentially day 10 and, and on of a COVID infection. And one of the things that you really have to focus on is how much of an antioxidant support do I have in the body? So taking in n acetylcysteine cysteine uh, including glutathione, is very, very helpful to help to uh, eat up that reactive oxygen species and decreasing fibrosis, as well as we talked about supporting natural killer cells and anti-inflammatory and uh, Th1 helper, so T helper cells, type 1 specifically, Things to take to decrease that you could do right away to help to increase your likelihood of this, uh, surviving this particular issues from day ten to day fourteen, and the timing is very everything.
0: Yes, and there is also a, sometimes, and I've I've de- I've been looking at the literature. I think maybe you and I exchanged it too. There is an autoimmune aspect to this, and. The virus itself, I know there's a lot of talk about ADE and the vaccine potentially happening. We won't talk about that, but I've actually found literature early on in this that there's ADE happening to the virus itself. People's immune systems freaking out to the virus itself because they've had some prior exposure to a coronavirus and it set them up to have an antibody-dependent enhancement response to this virus. And then there's also the potential for autoimmune reactions where you're basically the damage that's happening in the lungs, and I've had this personally happen myself with long-term pneumonia that I've gotten when I've gotten mycoplasma pneumonia. At a certain point, oh. the the infection's gone, but the fibrosis that is continuing on is an immune response because things got too revved up and too active in there. And so that's a, that's a, that's a tough place to be. This is why when I say viral titers matter, they really matter. The, the lower you can keep viral titers in the beginning can really dictate how you're going to end up in the middle of this where your immune system not only is trying to fight a virus but it starts freaking out and attacking itself all at the same time and that's when people start having you call it organ failure but essentially these organs start to melt from yeah you know i mean this in simplest terms and in 1918 when they were opening up Dude's lungs for autopsies after they died from the flu. They found Haemophilus influenza, which was the secondary bacterial infection, but their lungs were just turning to goo. And so there's an aspect here. You don't want to walk into this with low antioxidant status. You don't want to walk into this with low nutrient status. You don't want to walk into this with a really pro inflammatory diet. You don't want to walk into this like Oscar de la Hoya is in the hospital right now. We were talking about this off camera. You know, We have some ideas, but one of them, I think that's probably a strong one, is he was training hard for a fight coming up here on September 11th. And so, you know, he was probably in a very oxidized state walking into that Exposure. So, anyway, something to think about when I when we talk about exercise being oxidative—that's running, excessive cycling. You know, really look at your lifestyle and look at the way that you're eating and living and sleeping to decide. You know, how am I how am I going to walk up to this virus? Because we're all going to encounter it, right?
1: Yeah, I mean that's one point that I always make to people. Like, there's no way in hell that you're gonna end up having to prevent yourself from catching this particular virus. You're gonna catch it one or the other. It's just how fit you are to survive this is the biggest important thing you have to look at. Either, you know, we could talk about a vaccine, for instance, but the thing is, now you see that vaccine is really becoming resistant to the new variants you are popping up. So is that the answer? Absolutely not, not always anyway. But one of the things you could definitely do is, how can you control your overall outcome is based on your personal choice, right? It's, it's about eating healthy, exercising, and as well as or de- reducing your inflammation. And just talking about phase three right now, yes, it is a very dire emergency, but the clinical outcome, the goal is to help patients stay away from excessive inflammatory cytokine production, tissue destruction with sepsis, and then, uh, you know, ARDS and cardiovascular events, right? Those things we could prevent from the get go. We don't have to be in this state and the disease can be rapidly escalating into a point that you actually have a severe inflammatory process that Dr. Uh, Tina just mentioned about particular autoimmune component that could drive the overall failure of organs. So you don't have to be in this state. We could control it right the bat, and early the treatment is a key thing. And this is a way that is always driving me nuts about some of these doctors telling patients, hey, you know what? You're sick? Stay home. Do nothing. Wait until uh, you don't feel that well or maybe you're not breathing too well. Just give me a call. Let me get you in the hospital or walk in the ER. That is not the way to handle this. And this is why people are so fearful that, you know what? If I catch this virus, it's basically a death sentence for me and I'm going to die. And that's completely false.
0: It is. And a lot of these, These um, things we're talking about, you know, vitamin D status, zinc status, antioxidant status, glutathione status being amongst that, it takes time to build that up in the body. It took me 10 years to get over a severe zinc deficiency. So this is not something that we want to enter in just starting. That drives me crazy too, John, is when people say, "What can I take for this?" and I'm like, "Yo, the McDonald's and Starbucks you've been living off of are going to dictate far <laughs> more how you, you, the week prior and the alcohol you were drinking, the, you know, your life, your life for the past decade has a lot more to do with what is going to, you know, what can you take right now? So yeah, while we're talking about some of these things that are potentially helpful, and we have literature to support all of it. So we're not making it up. um, It's still not the end all be all how you walk in really, really matters. And if you're just hearing this information for the first time, don't fret, don't freak out. But download my free book, join my challenge, follow Dr. Kim and I on Instagram, we have tons of information on this, you want to make sure that you are as in a robust and anti-inflammatory state as possible, walking into and this isn't just for this. this isn't just for COVID. Like I actually take this seriously every fall. Every fall, I prepare for winter because every winter I would get a gnarly viral infection and I get pneumonia. So how I, how I'm living for COVID Rona season is no different than how I've been living the past 10 years, you know, just trying to keep myself healthy through the winter and how I help support my family and how I would support my patients. None of this is new stuff. Like I'm not, I'm not just now pulling vitamin D and glutathione and zinc and vitamin C off the shelf and saying, Hey, everyone take this. Like that's literally been standard protocol for the past decade that I've been in practice. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's let's quickly go through the next few phases.
1: So phase four, that's when you're overall in a, uh, sometimes a no return state where you're, you actually go through a complete uh, failure of organs and that's where you're going to be end up in ICU, right? So for hospitalized patients, uh, it's going to require, you know, heavy dose of dexamethasone, um, Potentially using Van even though there's no, absolutely no tests, uh, or clinical trials to say that it's working at all. And if you're a lucky ones in a great hospital, they may end up, they may end up having to give you ivermectin or monoclonal antibody, or they're just going to be end up having to support you. So this way you survive. You may get intubated, maybe not. It's a very, very shaky part. So again, it really depends on which hospital you go to. Which doctor you gonna be taking care of you as an ICU um, patient, as well as the overall outcome is depending on how severity overall phase two and phase three becomes, and then the phase four is basically either you make it or you die. I mean, I, 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 there's no you know sugarcoating this aspect. That's the reality, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and uh, that's some of the things that we have to really look at. Is you could control your path <laughs> to get into your overall issue dealing with COVID by controlling whatever you can every day. Yes. And that's, yeah.
0: And the vaccine is designed and has been studied, and the studies were not about stopping transmission. The studies were not even about stopping death. The studies, the early studies on that 95% efficacy that you hear about or higher were on severity of symptoms. That's it. So... I am not anti-vaccine. Dr. John is not anti-vaccine. The vaccine is having breakthroughs, as we said earlier. And so this information is important, whether you've been vaccinated or not. This is for everybody who's listening, because a lot of my audience has been vaccinated. And I'm glad for them. I'm glad for anybody doing whatever they feel like they need to do to stay safe. Absolutely. Uh, Especially if it's indicated for the older population or those with other comorbidities it's really important to understand that you still have to be healthy, even if fully vaccinated. You still have to be a robust human if you don't want to end up potentially in some of these later phases, which could happen with, like Dr. John said in the beginning, the variants are definitely working themselves around the blockades we've put up as humans, so.
1: Yeah, and we see that right now, too. Like, If you look at Israel, 96% of the population already got a Pfizer vaccine. That's great. But then what's happening right now? They have the highest rate of um, Delta variant that's going on. And you're going to have much more different variants going to produce once you start giving booster shots to everyone. So it's not really fixing the main issue that we're seeing right now. So entirety of discussion should be how can we control the overall issue dealing with COVID outcome from the beginning by talking about healthy eating, exercising, Taking the right supplements. Uh, we, we, I never talk about boosting our immune system. That's the wrong word to say. Yes. We should, we want to balance the immune system, yes. right? If you boost it too high, that could also overall lead into autoimmune disorder. So you have to look at that aspect of That could be a potential co infection that you may not be aware of Epstein Barr issues, Lyme disease, Bartonella. You know, what I'm seeing right now in our critical practice is that people, after they um, recover from COVID, now we're seeing increasing rate of Bartonella infection. So Uh. there's a hidden infection that's already at bay, but because your immune system completely shot, now you actually have an ongoing issue of Bartonella. And that could be the reason why these patients actually have long-haul issue after going through COVID. So there's a lot of uh, immune system imbalance that's going on, inflammation, and possibly a fibrotic uh, issue that's going on in the lungs so that you end up having to lose 20% of your lung capacity, many things. But the key thing should be, how can we control that issue from the beginning? What can we do to empower ourselves to treat early and help to support our overall body in terms of antioxidant support, inflammation, and et cetera? And that's the key thing that I want to empower everybody on this episode rather than living in fear.
0: Amen. I say we end it with that. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Dr. John Kim. Where can people find you to get more information about your awesome brain?
1: Sure. On our on my Instagram page, dr.john.pharmd, or you could uh, reach out to me on email at john at com, and including my website, drkimwellness.com.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Dr. Tina. Thanks for listening to The Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at drtina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A, and Dr. Tina 2 as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a resonant media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week.